mic check. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare one. Tons won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. Yeah, I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the ramble. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it Wakanda forever, y'all. That's right. Yeah. We back. (laughs) On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Chris Derrick is out today. He'll be back at the end of the year for our um, Plans vs. Goals episode next week. It's going to be dope. Uh, but anyway, if you guys are grown, let's jump into the show. So today we got the writers, the alumni, alumni, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys are done. Yeah, we're uh, done. From the Fox Writers Incubator Initiative. That's a lot of freaking... Yes, it is. <laughs> they combined like four different programs to create the Fox Incubator Initiative. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank y'all. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Indeed, indeed. So... Michelle reached out to her brother talking about what you're doing, what you got going on, what's happening. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. But yeah, Keisha talking about what you wearing over there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, reached out to me. Um, you listen to one of the shows I did with a bunch of writers. Yes, I, I, mean, I listen to the show every week. Come on now. It comes, there was one in particular. Yes, you were, it was Amadou and yes. um, oh my Saeed goodness, and Saeed, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and one other gentleman. Um, and it was like you know a bunch of brothers getting Ross, together, talking, yes, yeah. talking about their experiences. And I was like, you know what, this is a great episode. The last time that I remember you do it, sort of like a all gentlemen's episode, you mm-hmm. followed up in a couple right. of weeks with an all ladies episode, I and I was like. Hilliard, don't you want to have the all ladies class of the Fox Writers Incubator Initiative 2022? <laughs> I was like, who's that? I don't know who that is. And I was like, <laughs> I met you once before all the, you know, the Panacotta came down. Right. We, um, what you call it, the Panacotta? The Panacotta, you know, the pandemic, you know, the cooties, the COVID, yes, whatever a, you want to call it. Yes, it came down. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and if you're from Louisiana, you know what come down me. Okay. Um, and so it came down and Literally, the last thing that I did before we got locked down was to um, sit in on your panel. I wasn't a panelist, but I was in the audience mm-hmm. for the um, um, WGA Committee of Black Writers, okay. their, your NAACP panel. Oh, so yeah, it was when you, I hosted. Yes, yeah, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. were moderating and then Tash Gray mm-hmm. did the Q&A. Okay, nice. Yes, okay. so that is how we first met, okay. um, but it was a very brief meeting. Right. Um, but I've been listening. She's just one of them groupies all up in there trying to talk about what you doing over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you were kind enough um, when we started talking about yeah. being selected mm-hmm. as uh, writers, fellows for the Fox program. You were like, hey, when your program is over, why don't you come on the rant room? Mm-hmm. So I kept that in the back of my head. When this she thought program- I was lying, wasn't you? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I know you're a true teller. Exactly. So I was like, hey, Hilliard, it's Michelle. <laughs> I met you through Tash. You said maybe we could come on, and since you just had all gentlemen, maybe you'll have an all ladies panel. Now, the Fox isn't just exclusively for women, it's right. just this year. It just so happened that this we're year. all women. Yeah. Interesting. So we're excited to be here. Interesting. Let me talk to you. Introduce yourself. So my name is Nicole Jones Dion, 
And uh, I guess I kind of came to the fellowship a little differently than the others because I'm primarily a feature writer and I'm transitioning into TV. So Ah. for me, this was kind of like my first foray into learning about the world of television and all the politics and hierarchy of the writer's room and all that fun (laughs) stuff, learning more about the network and studio system and uh, from the TV side. So that was a real eye-opener for me coming from the the feature side. Awesome. What about you? Uh, I'm Allison Jackson, and I'm a comedy writer. Got really lucky to be part of the Fox program, and... Yeah, I do what like all the background. No, we'll, we'll get into you. Okay, cool. I just wanted That's a quick inter- introduction yeah. <laughs> so everybody knew. Who you and are. I never awesome. said that my name was Michelle Leslie Johnson, and I'm a drama writer. And we have one writer who is in ATL. She is here with us in spirit. Okay. Her name is Ash, and she was our animation writer. So there uh, were is four. Is that the one that's H A J or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Ash. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. So tell us, Michelle, where you from? How you got into the game? Um, well, okay, that's enough. Um, I am a working class girl from Baltimore and uh, as you can see I always have a pen and a piece of paper and I have to have a special pen Um, that's a real writer right there (laughs) well one of the things that happened you know is that when you come from a working class background um, a lot of the equipment is expensive even though the prices come down and everybody talks about you can you know you can make a film on your iPhone you can but you know what you can really do is have pen and paper and write and no one can ever take that away from you Um, so that was the focus of my life for a very long time I was uh, a spoken word poet and I I did not see how anybody besides most deaf can make money doing that so I said well you know what? why? Because you ain't got bars like that. <laughs> I do not have most of that bars. I do not have most of that bars. Um, but it's like, you know, if you have this creative ability in you um, and you're a storyteller, what is one of the most lucrative, um, most collaborative, um, the most exciting ways that you can write? network television streaming television Mm -hmm. cable television um so i think i speak for a lot of your listeners that you know you end up watching a lot of television a lot of movies Mm -hmm. and you sort of wonder like how is this stuff made and i think the key for me was i was a person who was always reading the credits both the top credits and the end credits and you don't know what a gaffer and a group is Mm -hmm. you perhaps don't know what a cinematographer is but you very much know what written by is Mm -hmm. you know so it's like i write they write maybe i could write this um so i majored in film and television in uh undergrad i actually went to a high school that had a television studio in it Mm -hmm. so this is something that's been in my heart uh for a very long time uh after college i came out here i started working for bet as a how long how long you been under now come on now you can't ask nobody how long they've been out here (laughs) here's why (laughs) oh how long did this take me to get from a to b that's where i'm going yes okay people think you just got here and the shit just happened oh no no that's why i'm asking the question i'm not like how old you is girl i didn't go there (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna get people from a to b i started as a pa on bet live events Oh, yeah. You know, working the BET awards, um, and I started doing learning those. logistics. Yes, learning producing. You know, learning producing, mm-hmm. doing talent. Um, you know, escorting. Um, and.
and just sort of you know learning sort of how to hustle Right. Um, so, you know, I was the kind of person, I think I did, um, I did one of their Florida shows when they used to go down there and they used to do like, yeah. you know, they used to do a week of everything and it ended up being like a whole season worth of, you know, of, uh, comic view and mm -hmm. 106 and park and all those other kinds of things. And I was the kind of person who, even though I was out of town PA, I would go up and down the main drag and figure out what was there. Yeah. Where the, where the Home Depot was, where the Lowe's was, where the grocery stores were, where the drug stores were. So when somebody said, oh, we need some, I was ready to go. Um, and one of the blessings of, um, of working BET, especially as an out-of-towner, is I went there from North Carolina, which is where uh, my parents are. Um, I went there from North Carolina, um, and I put myself up. They were just paying me a regular old day rate. Mm -hmm. um, so they paid you locally then. They paid me locally. Right. They paid me a lo They paid me locally. Uh, blessed enough to have parents put me up in a hotel, but the nearest hotel was like an hour away. What? Didn't matter. I drove that hour wow. every day to get to set. Didn't say nothing. Mm -hmm. Just hustled, you know. And at sort of the end of the show, we were having a rap party, and people were like, "Okay." I was like, at, at the rap party, I was like, "Hey, how y'all doing? All right, yeah. here. I gotta go. I can't drink. I got an hour <laughs> drive back." They were like, "What do you mean you got an hour drive back? This entire time you've been here, and it was like a two-week show. The entire time you've been here, you've been driving an hour back and forth every day." I was like, "Yes." They were like, "Where are you staying?" I'm like, "A hotel, you know, in some town that they had never heard of." <laughs> they doubled my day rate. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. Yes, they were like, you hustle so hard. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> All the time. You know, but that's the hustle that I put in. Um, and that's the money that I use to get myself from the East Coast to the West Coast. Wow. Um, and okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. Got to ask you. I ask everybody, how much money was in your bank when you came here? And you, How much did you move here with? Keep it real. I, I tell you, I probably had a couple of hundred bucks. See? This is, I had $1,700 in my pocket. So oh, that's way more than I had. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, came from, she came from China. I was. I had like a really good job before okay. I pursued it. Right. So I had I had 50K. Oh, oh my yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Where my 10%? You know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <clears throat> basically, I mean, I had a supportive father. My father drove me from the East Coast to the West Coast. Wow. He literally thought. This is like uh, my dad. Yeah, okay, yeah. He literally thought I would be here a month. <laughs> 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 this baby just need to get this out her system. Wow. And she will come back to North Carolina and she will settle down. Hmm. And she, But she has to get this out her system. So wow. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to help her do this. Mm -hmm. So he put me up in a hotel mm -hmm. in Florida. Um, and then he drove me from Florida to California. But the blessing that I had on the end is a church that I had belonged to in North Carolina. I had met a couple and the husband um, was an aspiring actor and he had decided to pick up and move to LA himself. Ooh. So in sort of coming to LA, um, I reconnected with them. And BJ was his name. And BJ said, Michelle, oh, you've got to come stay with us. And I was like, oh, this man is so nice. He's a, he's a newlywed talking about come stay with us. He ain't asked his wife nothing. Uh, this is some craziness, but it's the spirit of Christ in him. That's just so wonderful. It's a yeah. blessing. I'm going to have to figure out another place to live. <laughs> and then his wife got on the phone, Danielle. And Danielle said, Michelle, you come stay with us. Hmm. It's so hard to get yourself established in L.A. We don't want <clears throat> you to go through what we went through. Hmm. 
come stay with us. That's why I do this show. I don't yeah. want people come, to do the shit I want yeah, to do. Come, mm-hmm. come stay with us for free. Wow. And the only thing they asked was at that time, BJ was pregnant. I mean, Danielle was pregnant and mm-hmm. BJ was working nights. And he just wanted someone to be with his wife Ooh. at night. When so he, he when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I basically, you know, as an adult, had what a What part of town were you at? Were you I at? was in South LA. Okay. South LA. Um, um, <clears throat> and he just wanted me to be in the house at 10 o'clock. So I had a curfew. You, you know, had a, you had a curfew, but that's okay. If if the choice between trying to find hey, a place to live and like, so I was able to right away sort of you know get in contact with BET again, be like, hey, I'm here in LA. Are there any more gigs? And you know, the live events at BET were happening probably about every two months or so, and mm-hmm. you work maybe four to six weeks on them. So you right. so you work four to six weeks, and then you have two or three weeks off. Mm-hmm. Four to six weeks, two to three. It's not full time employment, but mm-hmm. it definitely you know gave me um you know spending money um and i didn't have to hustle for a place to live and i really think that was a a a big push and momentum uh to my um my journey here is having some people and i don't know if my father would have you know driven me out if he didn't know there was somebody on the other end who he felt like could be watching over me now they were contemporaries we're all the same age you know but i think he felt more comfortable about that were they in the industry too or were they um again bj was an actor and um the little sad part of this story is both this year within a couple of weeks of each other i lost both bj and my father wow Mm. um so that was hard but that family and my family were a foundation even though like i said my father was completely skeptical you know he he had no idea that it would be you know 2022 and i would still be here though i've taken um some detours so i just want to say to those of you who are out there and i've said this too i also worked in higher education for five years and i've had some students who um are out here pursuing their dreams or you know and i have did you, did you teach i did not teach i have a master's in education and cultural studies of sport and education Funny, your so, personality feels like you're so comfortable talking like you would be in front of kids like every day like you're not even nervous like you're just totally uh-uh. no what happens is uh i came up with a bunch of stellar high school athletes um I, i'm one of those kids older parents um who had a rule that i could not be unsupervised if i was going to leave the house there had to be an adult who was responsible for me wow yes um so i figured out really early even though i have no athletic ability whatsoever (laughs) that sports always have a coach there's always a trainer there's always a medical professional so you know the school year would start my mom be like see at the end of the day and i'm like nope i'm going to football practice football practice you playing football i'm like nope i'm doing hydration and then football (laughs) practice be over my mother like okay see at the end of the day and i'm like nope i'm going to basketball practice like basketball practice yes i'm uh i am the videographer i take all the practices in the games it's like okay now it's springtime Mm -mm, nope nope mama oh i forgot winter wrestling uh so i do wrestling and basketball at the same time uh, springtime will come it's like i'm I'm a scorekeeper for track and field you know so I, and football happens in the summer too. So basically, every season. She's Jamaican, y'all. She's Jamaican. It's <laughs> <laughs> still am. So every season. So I grew up with a, a lot of stellar athletes. Um, and as we had a downturn in industry in, industry in 2008, mm-hmm. I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, hmm. Ain't no more jobs. I was a comedy writer. One no more comedy jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, UPN had disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the WB had disappeared. And CW was all about dramas. And I wasn't a drama writer. Mm-hmm. I was like, what am I going to do with myself? And I'm like, you know what? Those guys that I came up with, they are now having kids. Who's looking out for those kids? Right. They were my big brothers. 
I decided to be an auntie to their kids. Really? So worked in higher education, worked at uh, University of California, Berkeley, worked at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and sort of, you know, came from the perspective of I have done what you're trying to do, which is reach something that people don't think you can do. Yeah. Because even before I left um, in 2008, I had already written, oh, my goodness, eight episodes of Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> so I had worked on Hustle and Flow with mm -hmm. John Singleton and Craig Brewer and Stephanie Elaine yeah. um, as their producer's assistant, along with Dwight Williams and Preston Holmes. And I was like, I've reached the pinnacle. Okay, so you're gonna make the NFL, right? You're gonna make the W, you make the WNBA, the NBA. Okay, you got a three year career. Now what? What's your plan B? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying you can't make it because I'm proof that you can dream and achieve right. and succeed. Mm -hmm. What else? Ain't no 50 year old running backs. <laughs> <laughs> You can't juke for that long. Mm, nope. So what are you going to have that is going to keep you creatively fulfilled and contributing to your families and communities? Um, but there are plenty more stories at this okay. table. No, no, never mm. that. Let's jump into you, Nicole. So, yeah, I uh, my background's a little different from Michelle's. I was uh, born a military brat, an army brat. So we kind of traveled all over the world. Mm -hmm. So you know what that's like, mm -hmm. living, moving every six months to a year someplace new. And my family originally was in North Carolina. So that's when my dad retired. We ended up settling back in North Carolina. And the thing that was kind of cool about going back to North Carolina is it allowed me to finally reconnect with my extended family that I had no, I hadn't even known them growing up. Right. And then once... I got to know them. I was like, oh, they're all batshit crazy. <laughs> and um, I fit right in. Yeah, no, no, it was, I'll tell you. So here I was, I was this kid growing up at the height of the satanic panic in the Bible Belt, right? right? Oh with my, my aunt, with my, well, my grandma had the sight. She mm -hmm. could see spirits. Oh boy. I was growing up in a haunted house that mm. everybody in that house had experiences, even the cat. <laughs> Except me, I was the only one who never saw or heard a ghost, but the cat did. Hilarious. And uh, just and I, skip right over your ass. Like now, we ain't fucking with her. Yeah, no, no, no. Was, and and then and then my aunt actually had uh, was possessed by demons and had to go through a whole exorcism okay. thing, right? So I was like, it's no surprise that I ended up becoming a horror writer as a result of all that. It made perfect sense. So um, after high school, got into I went to college. I got a writing scholarship to Duke University. Studied creative writing, mm -hmm. um, but I also minored in like history and theology because I figured if you're going to get one useless degree may as well get three and uh, <laughs> actually history is going to come in handy for you as a writer it's a well no one. and that's yeah. the thing now that I've, I've transitioned to screenwriting full-time mm -hmm. I'm actually using all of those yes. I never thought that would happen because after I graduated with my three useless degrees there was no jobs right. so my dad's like you are joining the military so <laughs> I was like off I went to boot camp oh, really? I did yeah wow. I joined the army I wasn't in very long they kicked me out um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just not a good scene it was not a good fit uh, but then yeah after I got out of the military I was like well now what and you know kind of like Michelle I'm, I was like well I guess I'm going to go to California I don't want to go back to North Carolina there's really nothing for me North Carolina is wonderful but I, I, California's better yeah it's just if you're a creative person yeah it, yeah there's a reason there's a reason why so many of us are drawn to LA there's something in the energy here yep. and and you talk about like your experience moving I had actually uh, I was living in Baton Rouge at the time when I made the, the choice oh, to move and so everything I owned fit in the back of my pickup truck. I bought a used camper shell from somebody for like 20 bucks. <laughs> and it had wasp nests and shit Hilarious. in it. So I had to clean out the wasp nests. It had plywood on it. I mean, it, I looked like the Beverly Hillbillies Hilarious. driving cross country coming out to, to L.A. And then when I got here, I 
put it up in, on Craigslist or whatever, whether the equipment wasn't, and sold that camper shell, and someone bought it to move back to South Carolina. So <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you talk about like moving. I think I had, oh my God, if I had $500 in my bank account, I'd be shocked. Right. It was like, you know, wing and a prayer. But I had family out here. So mm-hmm. that was the difference. I did but have a... But let me just inter- interject. The reason yeah. I talk about that is this industry really is built on how bad do you want it. Oh, yeah. And those people who can stick it in, because we all know you've been here for a while, you've been here for a while now, and I'm not sure how long you've been. Forgive me, we'll get into you in a minute. $50,000. Everybody, okay, just rolling. Okay. I got a job. You was, I go, you was rich, bitch. You was rich. I'm good at saving. I had a good job before this. Okay, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Yeah. Um, but but the, the industry is built on that. And so what I found is most people come here and in a year and a half or two, they're gone. Mm-hmm. 90% of the people are gone in at least two to three years, gone. You so have to want it. You have to want it. And and like the, the, there's this great motivational speaker whose name is, escapes me, but he gives this great analogy. It's like of a guy who wanted, he was like, he wanted to go to the guru and he wanted the guru to teach him how to succeed. And the guru's like, meet me at the beach at 5 a.m. So he goes out there and he's like, all right, let's walk out into the water. And he's wearing his nice suit. And he doesn't want to get a suit messed up. The guru's right. like, you want to be successful? Come out. He goes up knee deep. And he's like, all right, now go out further. And he goes up to his, goes out to the waterways, up to his thighs, goes up, goes up to his neck. And he's like, how is this teaching me to be successful? Mm-hmm. And the guru shoves his head underwater and holds him there. And he comes up sputter. And he's like, what was that all about? And he's like, when you want this as bad as you want air, that's when you'll be successful. Ooh, that's fucking deep. I and I was like, it. that's why I tell everybody. I was like, do you want this like you want air? Yes. That's how you know you'll make yeah. it. Yeah, you should be dreaming about it. It should be like I was telling somebody earlier about how I didn't, sl- I don't sleep very well. I got too much shit on my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No matter how successful I get, I'm always trying to get more. You know, I keep seeing. You know, like we were driving in, in Scottsdale, um, Arizona, a couple weeks ago. And there's this area that's like there, Beverly Hills, over by Camelback. <clears throat> and every time we come over the hill, I turn to my husband. I go, I'm supposed to be here, like. <laughs> This is, I'm supposed to have one of these $3 million houses, and that's not even expensive. <laughs> not anymore. They're, like, they're, they're like eight to 10 here. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm supposed to, I'm telling you, we're supposed to have a place right here and watch. It's coming, bitch. Go ahead, finish it. All right. Uh, <laughs> yes, anyway, no, when I, my first job when I got to LA, I was working in um, the video game industry because I like, I liked high tech. I liked computers, and it seemed like a good way, a good blend of storytelling Tisha. and. <laughs> technology and at the time and this tells you there was this very small window back in the 90s where they were doing live action video games so it was almost like choose your own adventure movies Um, so it was that was kind of like my first foray into like film production and then of course that didn't last long (laughs) Uh, but but yeah and and from there I don't know I just worked at a variety of tech jobs um, and eventually but I never stopped writing in my spare time you know never stopped telling stories and then you know flash forward way too long as I, I'm sitting on this shelf full of sc- un- unproduced scripts um, my company was like hey we're, we're you're being uh, discontinued your department's being absorbed you know whatever we're outsourcing your job to somewhere else so we're letting you go and I was like well crap but the same week I got let go my Dracula script got greenlit. Mm. So I was like, that was the sign. You know, talk about right. like the universe giving you signs. That this I'm going to send me that because I'm a vampire dude, girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Dracula got made and then after Dracula. Did you did you direct that one? I did not direct that okay. one. I only started directing. Well, the reason why I started directing is because my second film, because I adapted, because my video game background, um, I've adapted some video games and one of them was Tekken 2, which is based on the martial arts mm-hmm. fighting game. And that was kind of a 
problematic production, but they like <laughs> just six weeks before we were supposed to start principal photography, they switched directors. The mm. one director dropped out. They brought this new guy in, and he basically took the script that I've been working on for the last six it nine happened months. Happened me on something. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So you know, and mm-hmm. then he, the director, came in and just like gutted the script and made all these changes to yeah. it. And then the movie was not great. And yeah. then me, because I'm the writer, I started getting all this hate mail, and I'm like from the fans, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be getting all the hate mail. And I don't have any say in the end result because as the writer on a feature, you're really not that important. I mean, it's like everyone supersedes you when you're on the feature side. And I was like, I'm just going to start directing myself. If the director's going to get all the all the credit and gets yep. to make all the changes, I need to protect the integrity of my stories. Right. So that's when I started shifting to directing. You hear that, JP? Yeah. So he's, he's doing the same thing you're doing. Go yeah. ahead. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it worked out really great because, you know, since I'm a horror person, and it was so, again, it was like the universe answering Thing. So it's like that January, I, I said, all right, my goal this year, I don't even know how to begin, is I want to direct something, any anything. And within two weeks, I'd been introduced to Sean Cunningham, the creator of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. He took me under his wing, became my mentor, and... Um, you know, help help me make a couple of short films. I was working with him on some projects that are still in various stages of whatever. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, it's like just you got to put the intention out there. And I'm yeah. a firm believer that things happen when they do for a reason. Yeah, you know. And 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 hopefully the thing that I've learned is the older you get, the more you don't regret that you didn't make it. 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, because it wasn't the right time. And I've seen so many friends of mine that had too much success, too young, yep. didn't appreciate it, and they blew through all their money, and yep. now they're like, oh, crap, I'm 30, 40, 50, you know, and I got nothing to show for it, and they're having to reinvent themselves. And I've had to do it, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm sure. reinventing myself again. It's like getting out of features, although features will always still be there. But, yeah, transitioning into television and transitioning into more long-form um, storytelling. Right. And, uh, and that's, you know, I was just really, really grateful to you know, get into the Fox program because yeah, it's been, it. yeah, really eye-opening. Well, we'll get into how all you guys got in there, too. Yeah. What about you, Alice? Cool. Um, so I am from Ohio. I'm the oldest of four. Uh, and growing up, I would make my siblings act out in these plays that I wrote, <laughs> uh, which they loved. Uh, they actually hate it. But I, <laughs> I'm the oldest, so I get to do what I want. But I, uh, I knew I wanted to be a writer, and so my dad had a rule that none of us could go to school, to college in Ohio. We're originally from Chicago, got stuck in Ohio. Uh, so I came out here. Uh, I did my undergrad at Pepperdine and okay. with the intention of being a screenwriter. And then I got here. I was like, this is not a viable career path. <laughs> so I majored <laughs> in journalism, which is a degree I have never used. It's going to come back to help you. Wow. Girl, hitting yeah. deadlines. You use journalism yeah. every day. That's Research true. every day. That's true. Uh, and so. Yeah, I wouldn't. Let me just say this to you. We'll get into this a little bit because I'm going to ask you what type of writer you guys are and all that. Yeah. But I think that what you'll discover as you guys are starting to go on staffing meetings, use it. It's a superpower that you don't even realize. People are like, oh, journalist. I mean, she could do this, this, this. You know, people just think like that. Yeah. So when you think it's just journalism, we think, oh, the bitch can research. Oh, she can. I don't mean mm-hmm. to call you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so just know that we're looking at it from a different point of view. There might be a character who's, you know, in that world. For example, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's definitely come and help. Like come 
and useful. Yeah. I speak <laughs> word <laughs> well. It brings, it brings value. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so after I graduated, I was like, I know I don't want to be a journalist. Uh, I had studied abroad in China. I wanted to go back. And so I took a job as a college consultant hmm. um, working in Nanjing, where I was helping Chinese high school students apply to American universities. Uh, it paid really well. Nice. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. But I had to travel a ton for work. Um, and I studied Mandarin more by watching dubbed American sitcoms. Really? And then it kind of clicked. I'm like, oh, man, someone's writing all of this content. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really want to be a screenwriter, you have to pursue it. So I started reading screenplays. I you know, bought the books. And I applied to the American Film Institute Smart. Uh, for their screenwriting program. And I was accepted. Uh, I came back. I lived at home for a year. And I worked at an after-school literacy center just to like make sure that but that's where that 50K came from, yes, right? Yes, because I say, I'm an excellent saver, but I also know about myself that I cannot be creative if I have like financial insecurity. Mm. So I was like, if I'm going to go out to AFI, that's two years. You and it's probably, not cheap. It's not cheap. You're probably not going to work, you know, right as soon as you graduate. Like, you right. need some cushions. So I was like, all right, we're just going to save, save, save. Moved out here, went to AFI, did their screenwriting program, graduated in 2020. Worked as a showrunner's assistant and uh, a did writer. something happen in 2020? I don't know. I don't really care. Well, <laughs> <laughs> did the world turn around? I don't the know. world just—I mean, we—it was weird because we went on spring break and then we just never came back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just like you're on Zoom now. So you didn't have a graduation ceremony. I didn't. I graduated in 2020 and I did not have like the official walking ceremony oh until 2021. Oh wow! Okay. Um, but the benefit of Zoom and everything being shut down was that all of these like initiatives and programs started to yep. open up um, because you know it was on Zoom, it was easy for people to meet, and so I applied to like all of them. I was on Twitter and I was you know trying to like meet as many people as possible, which is how my resume got to the show that I was a showrunner's assistant on, um, and then. Uh, I was a writer's assistant first, then showrunner's assistant, then I worked in tech very briefly, and then I got into the Fox program. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Nice. Nice. So, so these years are going by. You do, you, it sounds like you moved, Michelle. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you moved to the Bay, to, mm-hmm. I forget the other, was it Georgia? I, it was somewhere. It was Birmingham. That's Birmingham, what I Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and came back. Yes. So what made you finally come back? Uh, Shantae McCall and Tash Gray. Oh, Tash. Yes. My little sis. Uh Mm Uh-huh. So um, I was really uh, personally fulfilled working with the young men and young women uh, I worked with in higher education. Um, But the bureaucracy of higher education and I did not Mm -hmm. mix well at all. Um, And I also, at one point, I moved from the most liberal um, municipality in the United States, Berkeley, uh, California, to the most conservative municipality in the United (laughs) States, which is Jefferson County, Mm -mm. uh, Alabama. And um, it was whiplash, Mm -hmm. both for for me and for them. They were like, where did this child come from? Uh, And so um, 
I had still kept up with people on social media a little bit. And, um, you know, one time Shantae posted a job post and it was like, you know, if anybody is interested in this job, you know, hit me up. And I hit him up and was like, you ain't going to be talking about my jobs all on social media. If you need me to come Claim back it. to, if you need me to come back to California, okay, no, I am here. Claim he was like, shit. Michelle, you come back to California. I was like, yes. So came back, you know, worked a couple of weeks and then dried up. Hmm. That's okay. All right. You know, went on back to North Carolina, you know, was trying to, you know, figure out what the world was going to be like again. And um, I imagined at this time that I was going to be bi-coastal, you know, mm. that I could pick up work in L.A. Mm. and then I would go live in North Carolina where the cost of living was going to be, you know, more manageable. Mm. And then it was Tash who hit me up. And she was like, Michelle. Shout out to Tash Grant. Yes. Like me, uh, Tash and I, we were in a writer's group together. So that's okay. one of the other the first things that mm -hmm. I did when I got so here. So you knew her before she even mm -hmm. got yes. successful? Yes. Okay. I knew her, you know, soon mm -hmm. after she finished her master's degree at San Diego. Uh -huh. um, so she was literally probably, besides, you know, the couple that I stayed with when I first got here, mm -hmm. she was probably the third person I met. Um, and I met her through the organization of Black Screenwriters, okay. um, when which I used to teach her. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. which you know is now mostly virtual. But at the mm -hmm. time, we used to meet once a week at the um, mutual building, um, and um, uh, we were members of a writers group together. So some of the things that I think the virtual OBS is doing now, which is you know people working in writers group, we were one of the first groups to do that. Okay. We were one of the first groups. It was like you know we show up to the monthly meetings, but what we do every other week for three hours a week is read each other's work. Okay. You know, and we had a system, and basically, I was an unknown quantity. Who was a little child from North Carolina? But they thought I looked organized. They thought she I looked organized. <laughs> <laughs> like, she didn't say they thought I was organized. <laughs> I mean, and I, I put a word as look, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look organized. And so, even though I was an unknown quantity, they were like, "You knew. We don't know you. We don't even know if you can write. But if you can help us organize this writers group, you know, you can be a member of the group." So I was like, I set up. You know, back then, Yahoo, Google Group, right. whatever, and, and had rules like, okay, we're going to submit on, a, you know, the Friday, you know, a week before we meet on Sundays right. and it'll rotate. And if you need to, you know, not be there, then you need to, you know, you need to work with somebody else. So literally for two years straight, we met every other week yeah. reading three people's um pieces um every week. And so Tash started a comedy with me and obviously made the transition to drama. And what she proposed. Very successfully. Yes, very successfully. Very, yes. very successfully. And what she said to me, she was like, Michelle, I think you can make the transition from comedy to drama too. Um, but you have to start over. Yeah, that's a real shit. It's a real thing. Yeah. You, you've been gone too long. Yeah. Will you be an assistant on a new show that a friend of mine is starting up? Mm. Yeah. So that show was season one of BMF. Ooh, so I came back to LA to work on BMF. Black Mouth for your family. Right? Yes, Black yeah. Mouth for your family. It's going to start up again in January, you know. Uh, Randy Huggins uh, is developing. Oh, this is all really new. This yes. is just like in the last two years. Okay. This, well, it was 2019. Right. So that room was up in 2019. Um, and we went for about eight months solid. Okay. Um, and then they shut the room down. And I knew I needed money. So I responded to a blonde, a, a blind job ad that was, we're looking for a script coordinator for a streaming show. 
And at one point, we could apply for jobs. We knew what the jobs we were applying for, but you know, they were referrals, whatever. But now everybody's like, don't tell nobody that oh, you're yeah. working for. They don't say what the show yeah, is. Don't tell, like, don't tell exactly. you who the showrunner is. Yes. So I just, you know, at this point, you just got to play the game. Go ahead and send a you know, resume off. I didn't right. know what I applied to. And then one of the executive producers on Block Mafia Family, um, uh, Terry Cop. Okay, um, yeah. Who's also mm-hmm. cop to it? Terry's uh, dope. Yes, um, she was. Um, she was like, "Hey, you know." She's been on the show. Yes, she has. Mm-hmm. I listened to that um, mm-hmm. episode. She was like, um, "Hey, Miss Tell reached out to me. I told him you were funny. You were hardworking. You know, if they gave you a scene or two, you'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. You know." And I was just sort of like, "I applied to the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I did not know that." And I, you know, went into the you know meeting thinking, "Oh, this is so nice. These people just gonna meet with this random girl, you know, who's been back in town, you know, a year." Um, and I met the wonderful um, uh, Bruce Miller and Ooh. his number two, Eric Tuchman, and his uh, producer, um, uh, Nika uh, Castillo, and they seemed to like me. And I was just mm. like, oh, that was a nice little interview to have, mm-hmm. you know, to meet the Handmaid's Tale people. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah. You know, I'm going was to it, Was it one of your favorite, your favorite shows? It was it? not. I mean, I, I'll tell you, sometimes watching the Handmaid's Tale is traumatizing. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and I certainly did go ahead and watch the first season before I went in for the interview, yeah. you know, so that, you know, that's the other thing is be prepared when you meet on somebody's show. You yeah. need to know what they, they did, you know, but um, it was just a great opportunity and I just thought, okay, I met with those people. This is going to be cool. Yeah. Wonderful. I met with the people who made Handmaid's Tale. They called me. They offered me a job. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. So I, what, did, what did you start as then? I was a script coordinator. Okay, so good. I had moved from in the BMF room. I had moved from the writer's assistant to the script coordinator. Okay. Um, both of those jobs are very hard. I just find my skill set is better for me as a script coordinator you know yep. I'm, I'm into details i like proofing formatting i like reading new drafts yep. um and because i was let me just correct somebody really quick for the people who don't know actually the script coordinator job is actually higher than the writer's assistant job mm-hmm. people don't know that everybody thinks it's a reverse mm-hmm. and i'm like you want to do the script coordinator job it prepares you to be a showrunner because you are working with the studio, like you said, you're you're the the scripts all filter through you. Mm-hmm. So you are working between the showrunner and the in the studio and, and the, 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 the production and, the and everything else. It's a great position to have. Yes, and everybody's like, I want to write. Like they think because you have coordinator on there that you're not actually you're the one. <laughs> you know, anyway, I'm sorry. That's the way I feel, but yes. you know, I certainly understand why people want to be writers' assistants. Um, and I have had that role. And yeah. in um, half hour, um, I enjoyed it. Um, but just in general, like the script coordinator, first of all, it is closest to, I suppose, the collaborative and the individual part of writing right. that you spend some time doing things by yourself and then you collaborate with other people. Yeah. And it is a liaison between the writers, production, and because I had worked with John Singleton and Stephanie right. Lane and all of those on Hustle and Flow, I knew what production offices and right. I knew what productions because I worked on those 22 episode uh, UPN sitcoms. So yeah. my first television job was cuts mm-hmm. under, um, you know, T. Boone, yeah. Kenny Smith, and Jackie Edmonds Kofer. Omar Gooden, who was that? Um, that was um, B2K Boy, not oh, yeah, B2K. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. yeah. um, Shannon Elizabeth. Not Marion, the other one. Yes, yes. Uh, Marcus, Marcus <laughs> yes. Houston. Um, so that was my first writer's PA job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew what a set looked like. I knew what production looked like. So you sort of have to understand um, when you're a script coordinator what those artisans and craftspeople at the other end of the script need to mm-hmm. do with it. So especially in this now I've been blessed to work with experienced showrunners but we now have some showrunners who've never been to set they've never produced anything before 
for helping them understand what the craftspeople need from this document right. um, is also important so basically I worked on season four and five of um, The Handmaid's Tale yes. um, I worked on uh, the first season mini room of The Acolyte which is coming out on uh, Disney Plus um, and now I am on Winning Time HBO oh, yeah. so script Love coordinator the other, the other shout out to Rodney Barnes yes Rodney Barnes so I yeah. worked with him for years mm-hmm. too um, and so one of the things about a script coordinator job that some people don't know is when you're a writer's assistant you're in the room all the time yeah. and you're typing 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 you don't really have time to work on your own stuff that is one thing as a script yeah. coordinator because you got to organize those notes after everybody else yes. leaves so yes. you know you're in the room all day yeah. and then you're trying to organize those notes as a script coordinator I have ebbs and flows right. so when the room is busy I am definitely doing my job right. because if you don't do your job you ain't gonna have no job <laughs> um, but when the room is ebbing I have time to work on my own things um let me add this though mm -hmm. and then we'll jump to uh uh, nicole my apologies here's the other thing like for example on our big alex cross show we have right now the room has been done since september Mm -hmm. the script coordinator is still working that's right because we're about to start production you still got to be that liaison Yes. We're still fixing scripts right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? The room so is gone. The writer's, still room, working. The, writer's, the writer's assistant is yeah. gone because there's no more scripts. Yeah. There's no more, well, there's no more room. Right. There's no more writer's room. The right. script coordinated, depending on what's going on, is like I said, I season four of Handmaid's Tale happened during the pandemic. Um, and I worked from October of 2019 mm-hmm. till March of 2021. Wow. Over a year. Nice. I'm sorry, so you doing like my girl over here? Hey, saving up them ends, ain't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But I mean, you know, it you know, it was a hard, it was a hard couple of years for everyone, and mm-hmm. it's you know, production is still dealing with you know, trying to keep people safe, yeah. you know. But a room, especially a Zoom room, can keep on going, yeah. and you know, at some point, even when the room is gone, I personally hate it, but I get it. Yeah. Yes. Even when the room is gone, a showrunner or an EP still needs someone who is going to be that second brain. And it's easy to keep a script coordinator on for those kinds of things. Now, there's some studios who will try to, you know, make you go away. But one thing about a script coordinator like me. Oh, yeah, we had to fight for ours. Yeah, yeah, You know, one thing about it is that if I get another job, I got another job. Um, and I think I'm a value, a very valuable part of the teams that I work with. And even for the shows who don't realize how that they can use me, mm-hmm. I start doing the things that I do for, you know, here are some, you know, here's some timelines right. that nobody else mm-hmm. was thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I hear you talking in a room about when did this happen here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, where are we? Here's a script status report. So you know every week, you know, who has what. Does the network have this? Does the studio have this? You know, do we have this outline in? Um, even if it's something, you know, like this story, you know, that you mentioned in Act 1, you know, it's not tracking in Act 3. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's so many creative and administrative things you can do to help someone. Right. So, you know, you make any job you have, you want to make yourself indispensable. You know, so it gets to a point where, you know, showrunner's like, I'm I'm down to two people. Mm-hmm. You know, I need a Michelle. Okay, look. So, Michelle, can you uh, write this thing for me right quick? That starts to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but more, you know, but even anything, it's just sort of like you, you, you hope that your showrunner begins to trust you yep. and to understand that you have the best interest of the show at heart and you have their best interest at heart. Right. And working for Yonetta Boone and Jackie Smith Cofer oh, and John Yonetta. Singleton Jeez. and Dwight Williams, what I knew is that 
I represented them. Mm-hmm. And if they shined, I shined. Thanks. You know, and so, you know, that's sort of what I I, I see in the difference between me being here, you mm-hmm. know, in those days and coming back is people just sort of like, it's all about me. You ain't going to get that's the, the maturity that I'm talking about. You ain't going to get to be yes. you unless you hustle for them. And in hustling for them, you get exposure, yep. you learn. There are things that I learned on Hustle and Flow mm-hmm. that I'm still using today. Right. <laughs> you know, and that was that was a whole Terrence Howard ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even get into that one. <laughs> Let's just jump for a second. Let's jump for a second. So Nicole. <laughs> Let's get to how did you get into the program? Like what script did you write? Did you submit? The uh, the script that I submit was funny because it was one that I had, um, I was originally trying to break as a feature and I couldn't mm-hmm. crack quite crack it. Right. Uh, so I was like, I'm just going to turn this into a, a TV pilot instead because you don't have to finish. Yeah, I, don't have to, I don't have to figure <laughs> out the ending. Uh, I'll end it on a little cliffhanger, bam. Yeah, you know? <laughs> oh, problem solved. Uh, so it was a script called Wiki and it's mm-hmm. a super, uh, kind of a YA supernatural drama. Okay. And it's about um, these girls who stumble upon a magical wiki. And when you make changes to it, it comes true in the real life. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a modern day monkey's paw okay. for the internet generation. Nice. All right. Tell us what monkey paw means. I've been asking that. <laughs> oh, if you're a, if you're a horror fan, exactly. <laughs> monkey's paw is a very famous short story where you, this this guy got this magical monkey's paw and he made a wish. But every time you make a wish on it, it comes true, but with unintended consequences, right. unintended negative consequences. So that's kind of the idea is that when you're with this wiki you go in and you make changes to it and they come true but sometimes you yeah. get things you didn't quite yeah. it's kind of like for. like yeah. twilight zone did an episode of something similar to that but it, they didn't use that mm-hmm. but it's in the th- i'm sure that oh that whole genie from, in the bottle trope yeah, i mean that. it's all that it's all that but yeah. this is just kind of making like a modern day internet version right. and i actually i actually watched something now i had to look it up because i literally the only thing i recognized monkey paw mm-hmm. was for jordan peele's oh, you know um, so I was, so she kept on saying it's a monkey paw and i was like it's a jordan peele production company <laughs> <laughs> but that's where he got it from and that's exactly. how you know he's a true horror fan yeah. because he's pulling i mean that's an old old story right. yes indeed, indeed what about you nicole or allison allison i'm sorry nope that's okay. uh i the script that i submitted is called earth ambassadors and earth earth oh earth Ambassadors. earth ambassadors okay. and it was it's an, actually a sci-fi space animated comedy but i somehow Tisha, getting all excited like, <laughs> <laughs> somehow got into the live action comedy track of the fox program huh. i submitted it as an animated uh uh, as an animated script mm-hmm. and then when we got to the interview she was like do you prefer comedy or live action or uh, animation or live action I was like uh <laughs> live action comedy great <laughs> and I guess it worked out but yeah it's about the year 3032 Earth is dying uh, which is pretty accurate and a <laughs> nerdy black woman is determined to get other planets to help save the world uh, but the other planets hate us <laughs> so it's very current. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, did, what did you submit? What did you have? Uh, my project is the fifth quarter. Okay. So it is um, uh, sort of about my experiences working with higher education uh, with student athletes. And uh, it's uh, Scandal meets Ooh. Friday Night Lights. Uh-huh. So it is a psychologist returning to her alma mater to advise the football team academically after the tragic death of a student. But... The head football coach 
is her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And we in the South. He fine, y'all. He mm-hmm. fine. And we in the South, and she is a beautiful black woman, and he is a handsome white man. So yeah. we've got gender. You know, we've got higher education. We've mm-hmm. got issues of equity. Um, and we've got issues that deal with contemporary young people of color who are on college campuses who sometimes aren't treated like college students Um, and their labor enriches other people and how a black woman in the midst of that system how she copes sometimes well sometimes not well now let's talk about the um the submission system mm-hmm. for they just said it's going on right now. They're in the interview. Set. They are in the final interview. Yeah, they've they've narrowed it down to their finalists, and they're doing the interviews. I think in the next right. week or so. And just so y'all know, just to recap, the Fox Writers Incubator Initiative is what it's called, correct? But you know, you just broke some hearts, right? Because there's some oh, people I'm sorry. who hey. they might not know. <laughs> hey. I'm letting you know. There's some it's people. Really there's some people right now going. I'm waiting to hear. Well, you don't heard. It's that, what it is. That you ain't. What it is. That you ain't interviewed yet. Is what it is. Here's what I was gonna say. Um, so, you submit. What's the what's the cycle of the, the the process at least going forward? Well, I mean, in addition to the script submission, you have to have you also have to do a personal essay. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually be really curious to hear what everybody's essays were. What was yours generally about? I wrote about um, my time when I was in the military mm-hmm. uh, because when I was in basic, I was a um, because I had been in ROTC in high school, JROTC in high school, I, and because of growing up in the military all my life, I was made a squad leader. And one of the guys in my squad was gay mm-hmm. during a time in the military where, where they were doing the don't don't ask, don't tell. Right. And that was a real issue. And found out that he had joined the military to escape his father who had threatened to kill him. Wow. Um, and just kind of like trying to provide a, a, as much of a safe space for him mm-hmm. in this going from one hostile environment to another hostile environment yeah. in as much as I could. You know? That's interesting. Yeah. I would have never thought you'd put that in there. That's, yeah, I could see why they leaned in on that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay, what about you, Allison? Um, Mine was about being a nerdy black woman and wanting to see more nerdy black women on TV. Mm-hmm. And my essay was funny. I think people have this idea that you're, you know, for diversity initiatives, your essay needs to be like trauma porn. No, it has to like, be what your voice is. Exactly. I'm a comedy writer. Right. I want to make you laugh both in my script mm-hmm. and in my essay. Uh, and so that's what mine was about. It was like okay. tripping over my feet, dropping stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> y'all missed it. She did it when she walked in the door. I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, she had comedy right there. <laughs> what, did, what did you do, Michelle? So um, one of the things that has really guided me in my applications over the past couple of years have been Kirk A. Moore. Uh-huh. Um, at Love the beginning Kirk. of the pandemic, he did um, uh, a, um, a Zoom uh-huh. um, for the, you know, whatever free Zoom he could get. But he taped it and he posted it on YouTube his, um, his, was it did he post his pitch I can't remember if he posted his he pitch but, but it was yeah, a part yeah. one and part two right. it was him um, he invited three people from the programs right. um, and he talked about you know his theory and he talked about you know ha- trying to and I know something that you talk about is the thing that you want to hide is the thing that you should be leaning into. Yes. Um, mm. But so the other thing that he also sort of said is that your package should be a piece of its like it should be a whole entity yeah so for, it should be cohesive it should be, should be cohesive yeah so since my um sample script is about black males in higher education or right. or black people um advancing in higher education um 
I talked about one of the first black male teachers that I had who recognized that I was a, a little bit smarter than the average bear <laughs> and um, wanted to move me out of his class because he realized really? I was bored, you wow. know, and I was protesting because I was comfortable. <laughs> you know, I had I literally switched from private schools to public schools. I switched from um, Baltimore to, you know, to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was just, you know, I'm 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 OK. I'm okay, Mr. Webb. And Mr. Webb was like, no, we're going to move you. And I was like, I am not moving anywhere. He's like, that's fine. We'll speak to your parents. So he called Bill and Hannah, known as my parents. Um, and Bill and Hannah was like, okay, go ahead and move her. And that move was basically to so-called gifted and talented, mm -hmm. you know, advanced language arts classes, which those skills, loving literature, um, grammar, you know, exposure to the written word and all of its forms and facets as well as writing it is the foundation of what I do now so yeah. that part of this is why you're such a good script coordinator too yeah. well it was also so basically my essay was about how this black male teacher had recognized this in me mm -hmm. and my script was about a black woman working with black male student okay. athletes mm -hmm. you know sort of in the same Who way recognizes things in people and stuff. yes mm -hmm. so again you know and um he basically said that your pieces should be cousins to each other mm. you know they shouldn't be twins but they should they should be related right. um so i think that was one of the things was just sort of like that you know my passion came through mm -hmm. in both the piece that i wrote as well as you know knowing that you know people had poured into me mm -hmm. um and i poured mm -hmm. out into others and then i poured all my feelings into the script <laughs> mm -hmm. let me let me jump to you nicole um when you tell people the kind of writer that you are, how do you describe yourself? Oh, I mean, I usually just lean into just I'm a genre writer. When, mm -hmm. You know, I specialize. But I do horror, but I also do horror adjacent. You know, I do sci-fi, thrillers, um, action, fantasy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like everything that's like adjacent to, to I horror. Get, I'm trying to get deeper than that. Yeah, I know. I guess for like, me, the reason why I like horror, the, the, like speculative fiction in general, is it allows you to view society through the lens of metaphor and yes. allegory. And that's, to me, those are the best horror scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the ones that are the best horror films. Those are the ones that I like when they right. become like metaphors for deeper societal ills. Sure. And I think that's why, you know, like Jordan Peele's stuff has been mm -hmm. so successful because he's, he's tackling these big, broad societal topics, but through the yeah. horror genre and yeah. that's that's the part of it that i yeah. lead on that part. Yeah. yeah yeah always yeah always don't i'm not telling you what to do but just you don't want to just be like i'm i write this and i like horror and i like this it's gonna you gotta go why right you know what i mean just what about you um i say that i write comedy with heart and also smarter comedy i like jokes that make you think mm -hmm. um and i also like comedy that has like sort of like mushy centered to it like it's saying something else mm -hmm. uh and i also i like to center nerdy black women because i am one uh bessie I, that that says it all right there to me mm -hmm. that's good that's good okay what about you michelle um my writing centers black males on their journey from boys to men and the women who challenge who love and support them on their journeys and i call mm -hmm. them rebels with causes Rebel. interesting that's cute i like that a lot all right so you guys all just did the program. Mm -hmm. So how long is the program? What was it, what was it like for all you guys? 
three months. Three months. Yes. So three months. Um, uh, this year we were on Zoom. Hopefully the 2023 class will be able to be able to meet in person right. sometime. Um, and it was two afternoons a week and mm -hmm. one Saturday a month. So generally about three hours. Right. Um, Tuesday and Thursdays, and then one Saturday a month, an additional three hours. Um. But we also met with our executives. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then yes. you and then you're also so you're assigned an executive at Fox, and then you're also assigned a mentor writer, an experienced writer who's generally like a co EP, co -EP yeah, yeah. level. Who, who did you get? I had Denise Hahn, who's a co EP on mm -hmm. The Cleaning Lady. Okay. What about and mine you? was a Joy Blake. A Joy Blake. Yeah. What about you? Mine were. Were she like I got two? Y'all only got one. No. <laughs> well, because now I get to see them pretty. Pretty frequently on set. Mm. So Jillian Willard and Alana Roman. Notice she said on set. Oh, I heard it. Yeah. Why are you hiding all the information? Oh, because I you can't talk about. Well, no, because I got. I I think I can. I got staffed because of the program. Right. I got so incredibly lucky, um, and so I get to see them nice. uh, for for runs through run throughs and things like that. Yeah. I love it. That's mm -hmm. good. That's good. Well, what, let me ask you this: What was it like? Here, here's my question for you. So you guys were in the program. How far into the program was it before you got staffed, or did you get staffed after? Because sometimes I know a lot of these programs, people get staffed while they're in the program. So I'm just curious. I think it was like the final week. Yeah, right? I think it was like the week. I went in for the meeting, and then I didn't hear for a while, and I knew the room had started already. Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, guess I didn't get that one. And then I got an email a week later, like, you're starting on Monday. And I okay. <laughs> we got shifted in a sense that we turned in our applications in November and we expected to hear in December, right. but we didn't interview until March. Yeah, because of COVID, yeah. I think everything just yeah, got it just everything the, got the pushed. drama cycle. Those of it, like, because Michelle and I were both in the drama program, and so we were kind of out of sync with the. The rooms had already started yeah. by the time that we finished. So, you know, we know that sort of the Disney program, which runs a year, there are people who, you know, after their initial sort of orientation yeah. um, weeks, then start meeting with showrunners. We didn't start meeting with showrunners until after. Yeah. And then as drama writers. So it was the summer for you guys already started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then for the drama show, um, you know, those rooms were already way up and okay. running by the time that we finished. It's, um, a, it's a thing that I talk about. I don't talk about it a lot on the show, but I mention it on the show every once in a while. When you see something pop up in Deadline, it's already been staffed. Mm -hmm. Probably nine times out of ten. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because what happens is all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I really want to be on that show. And they're like, uh, that's been staffed for six months. <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes for, I don't know why they take so long to well, it used to be it. you. Crazy. I mean, again, it's all this all secret, the secretly thing. Like yeah. you know, I mean, I'm interviewing for shows, and they're like, "Can't tell nobody. It's just a yeah. regular show." Yeah. But like I, again, I have worked for you know a show where you know spoilers are very important. Handmaid's Tale. I've worked for you know the Disney Lucasfilm kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they keeping everything under wraps. But your yeah. regular old show, yeah. I don't know why you hiding it. Yeah. And so you know, that's part of what it is. It's now about publicity for the show rather right. than about you know publicity about the signing or et cetera. So. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I get it a little being on this side of the, you know, the curtain now that it's you you want to save it for the big announcement of when we're ready to drop mm -hmm. in the next three months. Mm -hmm. We've when already it's still been fresh in, in people's minds. Yeah, like yeah. you want to keep you, exactly. You want to keep it fresh. Like there's something we were we're holding off on announcing right now because of the Christmas thing. We're like, we don't want to do it right now. Mm -hmm. Let's wait till the top of the year. You know what I mean? So there's like, there's, 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 you start to learn why, you know what I mean? Those things are happening. Um, I was going to ask you guys, so you did the Fox program. What are you guys up to now? 
I know what you were up to, Allison. What what you guys up to? I'm actually um, kind of staffed on a little mini room okay, for a non-union show, mm-hmm. just to kind of. I figured it's some good practice. It's and all I good. Can, uh, it's you all know, good. Whenever Fox comes knocking, I'll be I'll be ready. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I am the school coordinator on uh, Winning Time. That's, right. um, that's how I keep my bread and butter going, right. and you know, working on uh, new samples. Um, because you got to be learning on that show. That's a dope writing on that show. I mean, it, it really is spectacular. And again, I had uh, worked with Rodney Barnes when he was a comedy writer. Right. So you know, he's also another writer who sort of made the transition mm-hmm. from one, comedy one to you know, yeah. comedy to drama, and just you know, and that's one of the things about being a script coordinator is I read fabulous scripts. Every, every day, day. Mm-hmm. several times sometimes. every day <laughs> yes. yes you know every day and you also get to see different showrunner styles right. you get to see different writing styles you get to see different pitching styles right. um every script coordinator is not in a room um especially not all the time because there are other duties that you have but you have the opportunity to hear what lands what doesn't land mm-hmm. and i get to see from the every note, draft from the pitch yep. to the produced episode right what stayed what changed and again you gotta track it yes i gotta track it and i mean and again it really is sort of producer school like you know even if you you may not be able to ask every time something changes but you can sort of see oh they did that for budget (laughs) you know that went away because of you know that that couldn't be realized you know within you know we changed that because of availability Right. You know, someone who was available is now not available. Mm-hmm. You know, we changed that because that actor is better than we anticipated. Right. Or we changed that because that actress is not as strong as we anticipated right. in this kind of way. You know, so and, you know, one of the great things about Handmaid's Tale is I also get to see dailies mm-hmm. and I get to see cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can see the different hands from director yep. to producer to studio network to, you know, the sweetening process. That's a yep. full that's a full education. Yeah. And they pay me. This is what I'm trying to tell everybody. Everybody's so busy trying to be the writer's assistant and not realizing the game they're going to learn from being the script coordinator. For the most part, let's talk about what the writer's assistant does compared to that. The writer's assistant is a. In this day and age, in a drama room at least, is a room stenographer. Yes. Is that um, the room pretty much wants someone who is typing pitches, jokes, storylines, characters. And then after you are typing that up all day, they want you to organize it so that they can find things. They want the headlines. They yeah. want the- so they can find things themselves. And then sort of at the, as you get closer to episode, they start pitching out the episode again and again. Um, and this is how I was wrong. If, if, let me say this. If you do it right as they get to pitching out those episodes, the writers will be able to read your notes and pretty much follow along with what yes. you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you are also catching um, their sort of, you know, it's Rhythms. on. It's, it's yes. It's mm-hmm. also, you know, it's on cards. And so people are going, okay, so this happens and this happens. And then, you know, they have a little riff, right. you know, and what they want you to get is that little riff, right. you know, so you're, you know, so even though the card says, you know, they rob a bank. You know, the writer's going, they rob a bank. Now, you know, John is over there. He's got his machine gun Mm -hmm. and he's nervous and he's sweating and blah, blah. And they want you to get he's nervous and sweating, even though that's not up there. You know, so, you know, as you get closer to script, one of the things you're doing as a writer's assistant is you're putting those uh, cards Mm -hmm. or that board into an 
outline mm-hmm. form that the writer can then turn into their outline mm-hmm. and or their script. Yeah. As a script coordinator, I get the finished product. And each show has a format mm-hmm. established likely by the um, the showrunner, the head writer, you know, and everybody doesn't necessarily write exactly like he or she writes, mm-hmm. you know, and you each writer has different flavors, but the format of it and the flow of it should mimic the head writers. Right. So part of mm-hmm. my job is to make sure things are standardized from uh from draft to draft so that it looks like the showrunner wrote it um, without interfering too much with the writer's voice. But that voice should be reflecting a lot of the showrunners. The other thing that you want to do is you recognize that you're doing, um, as a script coordinator, I also create fronts, which are a list of um, scenes and a list of locations, sets, Mm -hmm. and characters. So you sort of understand how important standardization is because, okay, all right, this, this scene takes place in the bedroom. Well, there are three houses in this show. Which right. bedroom is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the continuity is ridiculous. Yes. And, yes. and people who are building sets, who are making costumes, who are doing makeup and hair, they need to know consistently yeah. if the bedroom is is Hilliard's bedroom, mm-hmm. if it's JP's bedroom, right. you know, because those are different locations. So just sort of understanding that even though this writer keeps on calling the bedroom, I now need to understand either by asking that writer or understand through intent of the scene that this is Hilliard's bedroom. And I have to standardize that so that each time Hilliard's bedroom comes up, that's what we're talking about. And that confusion doesn't reign. Because if that stuff's not cleared away, then we're talking about it in a meeting. Nobody will talk about it in a meeting. It is not good. Mm -hmm. And, And it's because a lot of times, especially with time, so many of these things are blocked. So we're like, we're shooting everything in Hilliard's room mm-hmm. for the next two days. And if it's not done right, we miss something. And mm-hmm. it's fucked. Uh, there are, mm-hmm. are three to 400 yeah. people yeah. who receive every draft of yeah. what the writers put out. And I'm the person who's that conduit. And right. so if I can catch something before it, beca- it causes confusion, I save a show money. Huge. And I shave, I save <laughs> a producer time. Right. Yeah, and it's like, you know, aside from being a script writer, this is one of the things, one of the reasons I tell screenwriters, like, try to make your own little short film. And then you totally understand agree. what all those things yep. on the page actually mean. Yep. Yeah. Uh, because unless, you, if you're just in your own little world, in your own little bubble, you don't understand that, yeah, what you're creating is that whole blueprint that yep. other people are going to have to interpret and decipher. So it's like, yeah, if you, if you don't have the luxury of becoming a, an actual script coordinator, make your own little short film, and yeah. then you'll kind of get a sense of that same process. And you guys have heard me say it on the show. I mean, I think writers today have to become more than just a writer today. You can't just write anymore. Mm-hmm. And especially if you guys want to do TV, you're going to eventually produce. You do not want to show up the first time ever on a set when you're producing your episode. You want to, you know, you guys got friends who are shooting shorts to be like, look, bitch, can I help? Mm-hmm. And just go and be like, oh, this is it. This is all it is. And you start to watch and you start to pay attention. You start to help in different departments and see what's going on. And you're familiar with it when you guys get your episode. Yeah. You're like, okay. And you know that from being on your show. Just the yeah. first time you probably were there, you're like, holy shit. Now you're like, I get it. Crafty's over there. Dressing rooms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gappers. They all load in. You can't touch that. That department has to come in. You start to see how it all works and you go, oh. Yeah, it really yeah, demystifies the whole process. Exactly, yeah. I'm exactly. interested in your room experiences. I mean, one of the things that we talked about um, is that e- because we've all been on Zoom, this is actually one of the first times that we've actually been together. In person. Crazy. <laughs> so you guys are all just meeting in person? Is oh, that what it is? We, 
On oh, YouTube. Michelle and I met. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I was I was in DC. Yeah. She was yeah. at the club. She's hanging out. <laughs> she was. She was. She was. Go ahead. You I'm interested about? in your room experiences. Both of you are now oh. in rooms. Well, mine's a Zoom. I can't really talk about it much. I'm under, I'm under NDA, but yeah, it's a Zoom room. But what have, I mean, since this is your first room, regardless of whether it's on Zoom or not, what are you finding out? You know, that is interesting, unique, or yeah, that's different than you thought it was going to be. It didn't. It, we're not talking about the show or the work on the yeah. show, just in general about. Let the room. Allison go first, and let me think about that. Let me think okay. about how to okay. answer that. Um, I think the thing that I'm learning the most is lingo. Yeah. Like you know, people will throw out terms. I'm like. I don't know what Green Acres mean. I'm going to have to write that down and, and look it up later. So I have like a running list of all the terms I've learned. Um, and then also... N Nicole Levy's new book, I was about oh, to say, has all the lingo All in the it. lingo? Yes. See, my my husband gave me that, that yes. for my birthday. It's such a great book. Oh, it would have been so helpful. I still write everything yeah. down. I've got my own... <laughs> it's okay. My own it it stays list. in your head more yeah. when you do it like that. I mm -hmm. highlight it and then I remember it. But yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and then I... I'm working in such a fantastic room because my showrunners have made it very clear that a huge part of my job is just to learn. Right. Um, and it's just, it's been such a great experience. Right. That's good. And and one of the, are you, are you guys still in or you're done? Still, still in the room. Okay. Yeah. Just be trying to find times for yourself. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to the room, see where your superpower works. And kind of like what she was talking about, you got to find times to do a little bit extra. Yeah. Like you were talking about like finding that moment to bring in another, like here's this thing. Like I was doing that on one of the shows I was on. I was like, okay, these writers keep asking these questions about punk rock stuff. I'm going to give them all the list on all the docs that they could watch. I'm going to give them a list on here's what, what the actors would be wearing if they were at the club, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I just did that, you know? And then I was like, what if, what if somebody had a mixtape? On that mixtape, that character would be listening to the Smiths and this and this and this. That character would be listening to the jam and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, if you walked into the dorm, he would have Public Enemy. He would have, you know, The Cure, you know, whatever. And that stuff started going around the room and it went to production and it became a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's fine ways to do where can my superpower that you probably didn't even realize you had yeah. step out. Like if, if somebody says... Man, I need somebody to do some research on. I'm supposed to do some research and be like, yes. You know what I mean? Just do it and you will learn from it. You yeah. know what I mean? Be that person. And also just being on time every yes. day, being as professional as possible. Right. If something is optional, it's optional for everyone else. It's not optional for you. Right. <laughs> right. Good point. Good uh, point. Yeah. 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 Um, so that I think has been something to constantly keep in mind is just, you know, being the best I can be every right. single day. And I think it's I think it's paying off. Yeah, just and the only reason why I'm saying is that people always like, how do I get how do I make sure I'm coming back? I'm like, there's no guarantee to come back whatsoever because sometimes you lose your showrunner. Right. And then you know what I mean? Ain't nobody coming back. Exactly. <laughs> I says, but but you can at least promise yourself that you do so much extra that everybody notices. People focus too much on trying to get the attention of the showrunner. You keep forgetting everybody else in that room, the staff writer with you in two years is, has has a deal. I mean, right. like that. So you want to be cool with everybody. You It sucks. The thing I hit about Zoom is, if you can, I'd be reaching out to them going, hey, on Saturday, what you doing, girl? Let's go to lunch. You know what I mean? Because you haven't met them in person or whatever. For example, I'm talking to you, but I'm generalizing. By yeah. Me. 
um, you know, find ways to go out of your way so you can get in their head because mm-hmm. they too are aware of, you know, your co-EPs, your producer levels. All of them are trying to sell shows. Yeah. All of them. So don't just be thinking, I got to get so close to the showrunner. But you also be thinking about, well, shit, Michelle is a producer level right now. I heard she's got a deal going on that might happen if the show don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And be like, hey, girl, let's go to lunch, you know, on me. Let's go to coffee. We can't afford it. Let's go on coffee. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Whatever the thing is, but find your way in to get to know everybody as much as you can so that you become the ally. And you tell them your dreams. Yes. And then they will hear it. Because there's something about writers, I don't know what it is, and Keisha and I have talked about this before. There's something about writers where you could be standing in front of somebody and be the dopest comedy writer in the world. And I'm Rodney Barnes, a spitball, and I'm, uh, an example. And I'm staffing a show, and I don't even say, hey, girl, send me a script. It's because you didn't ask me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not in the state of mind. I'm too busy focused that I got to do this thing right. instead of going, hey, Allison, send me something right quick. You got to be like, hey, when you do that thing, just letting you know, I know the show's about whatever. I don't know if I ever told you, but my sister was just like that character. Mm-hmm. You got to tie it into yourself. I was, yes. And that's what I was going to say. I would say if, if you had to ask me like what my biggest thing that I've learned in the room is like bring your your lived experiences to the room yeah. um, because like I'm seeing these other guys that are like spitballing ideas about like military stuff and I'm like yeah. clearly y'all have never been around a soldier. <laughs> so let me help you with that. Yeah. And there's another, you know, and then for the medical stuff, luckily we have a guy who was an EMT. So he right. can he can speak authority, you know, with some authority on that subject matter. Right. So it's like, yeah, bring your lived experiences to the room. And that's another thing with writers is like sometimes we just get so fixated on watching movies, watching shows, reading scripts, and we, we just live in this little entertainment yep. bubble. And it's like, life. live a life. Yes. Yes. You got to go out yes. and do other things because yes. that's what you're going to bring to the room that makes it interesting and unique. Everyone's watching the same shows, right. but what you're out there doing in your in your time and you time is what is unique. M- Michelle was talking earlier about something I say all the time about that thing that you were hiding from yourself, from everybody, you didn't want people to know your mom was alcoholic, you didn't want people to know that I grew up a poor military girl, whatever that thing is, is the thing that got you the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? As soon as you embraced it, is when people are like, oh, I need somebody who's a strong military who grew up and you still in it? Like you, your, your father's still a military? Whatever it is, you know what I mean? It, it becomes that thing and so it's like, if you're embarrassed about people knowing about it, that's the thing you should be talking about. Yeah. You mm-hmm. should be telling everybody, I'm the biggest black nerd in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> you know what I mean? On Saturday, I'm playing D&D all day. Like, <laughs> whatever the fuck. You know right. what I mean? Let us know exactly the level that you are. So I'm like, damn, she would be perfect to write the character of such and such. Because I'm thinking what we wrote is like this, but I might want to take her this way. Yeah. You know, I might want to base her off of Allison a little bit. You know, you just never know. Mm-hmm. But you can help yourself. By doing, you got some questions over there? No, I was just thinking about our our Here in Spirit, Ash Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, um, who uh, wrote um, a wonderful uh, spec on Jemima. Really? Um, yes. So, yes. Really? So, you know, she's not Angel Mama anymore because she came off the box. So oh. what happens to a historic icon mm-hmm. who ain't got no job no more? Oh, I want to see that. Yes. It's really huh. one of the things like with Aja's script in particular and I and I know you know we're that's, not sharing scripts, but that's it's like thinking you talk out about the box. Voice. Yeah. Her voice comes through so strong on those pages. Yeah, it's okay. like it just explodes at you, and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is a woman with something to say." Mm-hmm. It's Aj, and she's just so fabulous. What's what's her story? Just out of curiosity. You remember she grew up in New York. Carnegie Mellon actor. 
Okay. So um, mother uh, is a director. Um, she a sister? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a sister. And her father was a creative writer. So she talks about her story sort of being like the kid whose parents, you know, rode her on the backs of their bikes <laughs> from out the hood to her private school really? in the suburbs. And how because That's both of her parents were so artsy, mm -hmm. she was going to be a lawyer. She was going. She, she was, was going. She was going corporate. You know, she was not going to be. You know, this up and down kind of stuff. <laughs> and then fell in love with performance Ooh. and storytelling, and slowly came over to the dark side. Mm -hmm. um, and so she um, is a writing coach. Yeah. She's a producer. She's a writer. As a matter, and she's a dramaturg. So um, uh, Vanessa Williams, um, the former Miss America Vanessa Williams, not the other yeah. Vanessa Williams. Um, they have different. <laughs> Initials. There's an L. There's, there's an L, L and there's an S in there. Yeah. Um, but she was on a Broadway play um, uh, last um, this year. Yeah, this year, POTUS. Um, and so she was the dramaturg for that. Um, so, and if you're not a theater head, that's a person who sort of, you know, helps a writer and director team sort of, you know, uh, create a wonderful script. Yeah. Um, so just some people call it an editor, but I, I don't think it's an editor. I think it's way more detailed than they're almost mm -hmm. like a development yeah. producer in some mm -hmm. way the way they got to do stuff but yeah. mm -hmm. um and so you know she is hilarious mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. uh, she is hilarious and, and like i said you know she has this it spec mm -hmm. that people should definitely be reading definitely you know it. so what definitely happens to modern day yeah. you know 200 year old black woman who's like what <laughs> I'm unemployed. I've been making pancakes forever. <laughs> and she's in, you know, a, a fictional Atlanta town that is so woke that what do you do, um, you know, with Jemima right. in a modern time? Okay. That's cute. That's cute. Interesting. All right. Cool. Well, thank y'all. This was dope. Thank y'all for having y'all, yeah, yeah, you know. Thank you for having us. Um, before I let you guys go, I got my girl Keisha Cola and JP here. Hanging out with us, JP taking photos. He's our new breakthrough artist at BMP, and Keisha Cola is working with us over there. She's doing a lot of cool things. Keisha, um, while I got them, you got any questions for them you want to hear? We love questions. Oh yes, um, the military. Mm. What was Come a little what stories? What stories would you like to or? Um, have you pulled, have you pulled any stories from any of your experience? Especially when you were talking about the young gym women who's queer. Yeah. And, you, know. The, you know, it's interesting because I was in one of the very first gender integrated platoons. So it was kind of an let's, experiment. Let's repeat the question just so everybody Oh, uh, she was asking about whether I've ever uh, incorporated any of my military stories into my my stuff. Right. Um, and honestly, you know, I don't want to do stolen battle. I'm not, a, I'm not a combat vet. I think those are their stories to right. tell. Um, but, you know, because I was in the military at a time when they were actually downsizing and looking for excuses to, because we didn't have any enemies anymore. It was like, you know, the 90s. It's like, <laughs> oh, no more wars. Everything was good, right? So they were, they were looking for excuses to, to, to downsize. Um, but yeah, I was in one of the very first gender integrated platoons. And so that was a very, very interesting, interesting. time yeah. to be in the military because they still hadn't quite figured it out mm -hmm. yet. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see more women's stories and what women, because people, I can't tell you how many times 
you know, talking to my other female veteran friends, because I was also in the the Writers Guild has a veterans um, right. writing program, which I highly recommend yeah. if I've you're a military to them vet. A couple times. And yeah. and the Veterans of Media and Entertainment is also a wonderful, wonderful group for any um, veteran who wants even not beyond writing. If you're if you want any aspect of the entertainment industry, those mm -hmm. are fantastic resources uh, yeah. to join. Um, but yeah, like the women vets, we're still kind of in the minority, and we're, our stories aren't being told as much. So yeah, I, I would like to see more in that awesome. that space. What um, title? What title would you like on your door? If you go home now, in 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 your world, what writer, director, uh, showrunner? Like when you go home, what you what okay. title? Okay. So she's saying, if you could turn things around right now, if you were, if you had, let's say, if they had their office right now, yeah. what would be on your door? What would it say? Our dream door? Or the yeah, door your dream now? door. Your dream door, okay. right? No, no, oh, right now? The dream door, but it's not a dream. This is real. This, this is what's going to happen. Oh, so it's still, it's, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's, let's it's predict yourself in five years. Exactly. So this is putting it out into the universe. Yeah, I'd love to be a showrunner. I mean, I think, you know, I have, having directed and written and worked in corporate America, managing teams, working in the military, very, I, I feel like. Those are all skills that right. all blend together very nicely and would uh, translate well to being a showrunner. So I'm just saying it, putting it out there. <laughs> Put it out. What about you, uh, Allison? I would say consulting producer. Hmm. I, I think when I started off, I was like, oh, I really want to be a showrunner one day, and maybe one day I will. But I think the job of consulting producer is so fascinating because you get to come in and help out. and you Not know, have to be there every day. Yeah, you're an EP-level writer, <laughs> and then you can, you know, throw a suggestion out there and then wipe your hands and be like, but that's just me. It's not right. my show. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's such a an interesting job in a position I did not know existed until recently. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's even bigger now, I think, since the Rona in particular. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like there's so many um, upper level writers who are, like you'll see it a lot with somebody who's a showrunner on one show and that'll come in and consult on another show, like yeah. right after you think they're going right into another show, but they just, because they're not there every day. Yeah. So they're still developing another show while they're there. They just pop in two or three days a week and go, what's going on? Oh, well, here's my suggestion. I right, bye, bitch. I'll take my little 20 G's a week. I'll just go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Less stress, great exactly. money. And you get to work on multiple shows. I yep. think it's fantastic. Yep, mm -hmm. for sure. What about you? CEO, executive producer. Um, I like you. You be thinking big. This is what I like. <laughs> She's like Oprah cousin. So. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, was uh, a blessing in my life is uh, being very involved in student leadership, yeah. um, student council through um, as as well as student union activities in college, mm -hmm. you know, so doing a lot of leadership <clears throat> activities. So um, just being in a position where you can help people change their lives right. um, and you also want to be in the opportunity to create comfort you know financially for yourself and for others yeah. um, and I've worked with some wonderful people who poured into me I want to pour out into others um, yeah. but um, from what I understand the best job in the room to have is perhaps the number three spot you know where you get all the money but very little of the responsibility because well, <laughs> number one no. number, well number one this is a terry copism yeah, yeah. <laughs> she says that you know it's like yeah. you know the, the show i mean everybody says they there is be some a show. truth there is a little truth to that yeah, the showrunner has so much stuff to do so much. and number two is running the room often for the showrunner right. the number three is a person who's just sort of like hey i got something you need it so it's sort of like that consulting producer kind of person, except they However, show up every day. What happens is it's correct, but what happens is 
when they get to production now, that's when the three person means something. Mm-hmm. If there's if they're brought back, which they usually are, because showrunner's busy, right? So if they're going to go to set and be handling everything, it's usually them and number two. Sometimes three comes and mm-hmm. does a couple of the episodes. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying it, it does eventually come into hand that you have to know the things that you're learning right now, mm-hmm. you know, about production because without it, you're going to be fucked. You know what I mean for sure. Um, hmm, interesting. That's interesting to hear everybody's. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I always say this. I'm going to be, I used to say I want to be the black J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Now I just say I want to be J.J. Abrams, like Ryan Murphy type of shit. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean that by having like 17 shows on the air. Mm-hmm. I just mean I want to be able to do movies and TV whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's not too many of us who can do that. Mm-hmm. I think Lena's starting to get to the Ava. place where Ava, you know, where they're able to do whatever they Jordan. kind of, Jordan, you know what I mean? I want to be able to do that, you know what I mean, where I have several different shows going and movies and whatever, mm-hmm. and nobody's like, oh, I thought he was a TV guy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't want that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that's what's up. Well, thank y'all. Appreciate y'all coming through. JP, you got anything, or you good? Uh, yeah, there's a good question. Um, if you could give yourself a piece of advice uh, when you first started, if you could talk to your former self, like what advice would that be? And if you're on the right track, or... Repeat that question for Michelle. Um, JP is asking, what advice would we have given our younger selves? Oh, me first. Allison. I'm sorry, uh, Nicole. Um, I don't know. I guess <clears throat> since I've <laughs> since I've gone from writing to directing and now to television, I would be like, figure out what you want to do. Pick <laughs> one lane and, and focus on that. So I probably, knowing where television is today, I would have said, hey, try to get a TV job early on don't even but I bet but I bet it's not totally true though I mean but, I've, I've, I've learned something from every step along the yeah process, I would, that's so. that's what I was gonna say I bet you learned so much more and you're probably so much more advanced of a filmmaker because of those experiences so when you get into a room you can have full conversations because you know what it's like to work with departments you understand why we're cutting a scene you know what I mean because you know yeah. how to shoot it you know what I mean so it's it's such an advantage yeah so what so. about you Allison? that's tough I think surrounding yourself with people who are also trying to do what you're doing Mm -hmm. because I think especially you know working in film and TV talking to people outside it's like completely different language and so that was a huge benefit of going to AFI is I was surrounded by people who all had the same goal yeah. and then moving up with them together and being able to, you know, to vent to them and make connections with them. Yeah. Um, having that community of other filmmakers, uh, I wish that I had known in the beginning how beneficial that community is going to be, but I'm very, very lucky to have that community now. I like that. Interesting. Hmm. What about you? I have a one-two. The first is to piggyback off of what Allison said, and that is to make friends. People are so busy trying to network. They're trying to network up. And, you know, I learned this working with John Singleton. People be like, can you get John to read my script? Can I read your script? (laughs) You need to make friends with me. John got friends. John is hustling up. He is hustling out. You are ignoring the community right in front of you, which is me. So we have to rise together. You know, you come in, it's like a graduating class. You come in with some people who are going to be rising with you. And again, you know, some people are going to rise faster, you know, but Tash is a person who hit Mm -hmm. me up and said, hey, I think you got a shot. 
Mm-hmm. Change some things. Let me tell you a quick, quick, quick thing. Tash is one of the few people. <laughs> I've been on Tash for a long time. Tash has been trying to get me to get to network forever. And I'm always like, eh, I'm already making money. I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm out here producing. I'm fine. <laughs> I never forget when I first got my show. I think she's one of the first people I called. And we cried together. It was like such a pretty little like thing. And she's like, I told you to get the TV. And I was like, eh. <laughs> then, then I went out and developed for three years. <laughs> but I mean, again, you the, those, are the, those are friends. Those aren't networks. Those aren't connections. Those are people who when the ish hits the fan, mm-hmm. you know, got a washcloth. Those are the people when, you know, when the job comes in, will cry on the phone with you. And there's lots of people around here who want something from you, you know, and that you can actually help, but make friends. Don't be thinking, help people and people you help, help you. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's seek first to help rather than to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing I would say is to have fun and hustle. You know that um, it's serious, but you know what? It's just television. It's just it's a privilege. It's it's millions mm-hmm. of dollars on the line. You know, yeah. it's not saying that you know it's it's you know it's a dollar, but have fun. Yeah. And half we ain't gonna make it. Right. You you have to wake up every day committed to doing your best um, for you know most of us, which is for ourselves as creators. But we also got day jobs. And if you have a day job in the industry, your boss is expecting you to get your job done. Right. You know, so you can't just focus. That's the thing about people like, oh, I want to work in a room. One of the benefits of not working in a room is that maybe you can lay off that day job. But yeah. when you want to tell a show, we in production. It's moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would add experiment. Mm. Kind of going what you were saying, mm-hmm. Nicole, there's something to being able to pivot. The problem is this. What I like about what happened in your story happened sort of in mine because I came from writing features for it before I moved into TV years. And so there's something to, and from being an actor before I ever did any of this, right? There's something to being in the industry doing the thing you want and then going, you know, I think I'd be a better DP than I would be a writer. Mm -hmm. Then it is to go, I want to be a, I want to be a DP, and you ain't even barely picking up a camera. You're too busy talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the person I don't like. Mm-hmm. But if you try something and pivot and get really good at it, that's a different thing to me. Mm-hmm. So to me, you do it. I'm using you as a guide. That's- you did the right thing, you know, coming from that to directing to producing to TV. All that has made you so much better to be able to be in a room so that when you are sent to the set, like I was talking earlier, you can go produce your episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've already produced a whole fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Of course you could do a fucking TV show. You know what I mean? What's different? The budget. There's more people. The train is moving, like we said. The turnaround is so much more faster. And it's a little bit more important because we have to have it ready. In a film, in, a, in, a, in an independent world, and you know this too, JP, you're done when you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, your friend might be editing and it's taking them forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It might be another seven, eight months. We, in the, in the network, and in uh, the studio, you got a date. You know what I mean? That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. The budget, cast is bigger, there's more trailers, <laughs> you know what I mean? The responsibilities are a little bit different, but it's the same thing. Take the pressure off of yourself when you finally get to go to set and say I'm generalizing for you too. Mm-hmm. You finally get to go and it's the same. It's just bigger. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that's my thought. Um, but thank y'all. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Indeed, thank you. indeed, indeed. Michelle, where can everybody find you on I Twitter, am, Instagram? I am on Instagram, and I, you know, I break Hillier's first rule, which is oh that you can't find my name. Oh so I'm Helen to Hollywood. You're That's Helen to Hollywood. Uh huh. H i l l e n the number two uh-huh. Hollywood. So uh-huh. I am from Baltimore, and I grew up on Helen Avenue. That is correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, some of us uh-huh. can't. We don't want to be found, Hillier. <laughs> You don't want to be found when I'm like, did Michelle write that cool script? I can't find that bitch. <laughs> when you start your career working for John Singleton, people still looking for you. <laughs> and I'm not lying. Right, claim it. Claim it, girl. Claim it. Uh, Nicole, where you at? So I'm primarily on Twitter these days, although with Elon, I don't even know what's going on with that. But um, I lost like 200 people in like three days. Oh, wow. Everybody left. Yeah. I was I'm like, still there. I'm just shit. hidden. Yeah, wow. so on Twitter, I'm at Navaris, N-O-V-A-R-I-S. Um, or if you want to try to find me over on Instagram, I'm Praxiscope because I did not have the same name for both my social medias. But your, Praxis- your what is it? It's, pra- it's P-R-A-X-I-S-C-O-P-E. So Praxiscope, like a telescope. It's, it's an early form. It's like a zoetrope. It's like an early form of animation. My husband works in animation. That's it. our production company yeah. that we created together is okay. Praxiscope. So okay, anyway. that's, that's fair. What about you, Allison? I am on Twitter uh, at, oh, it's such a, it's a See, this is why. People are always trying to go, what is my Twitter? Like, bitch, your name, it would be easy. Yeah. See? Well, mine is technically my name, but I don't go by, it's Allie, A-L-L-I, and then Jax, J-A-C-K-S, 330. But I don't go by Allie. I just, I had to, that was what was available. Okay, your name is pretty common. Yeah, so I go by Allison. Okay. No, no nicknames in the Jackson household. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to shout out Ash. Oh. Um, and she is on IG at Ash the Rich Idea. That's H A J T H E R I C H I D E A. Ash, oops, the Rich Idea. See, mm-hmm. Black folks. See, that was not, a, that's an alarm that I have go off every day at the same time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank y'all. I appreciate you guys all hanging out. Uh, Keisha, JP, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for taking some photos, JP. Thank you for having us. Indeed, indeed. It was fun. It wasn't bad, right? It was great. Just have a little conversation, right? Yeah. Not bad? Awesome. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. You know I say Twitter like I'm cool, by the way. Y'all know that. Um, Also on Instagram and everywhere, at Hilliard Guest. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to all over the world, Um, Spotify, whatever you have where you can find us. Um, please go on uh, uh, screenwritersrr.com please give us a, a five star review we need that for the metrics you can buy t-shirts on there all kind of cool stuff um, what else so much cool stuff going on so much cool stuff uh, yeah we got one more episode I was about to say happy Merry Christmas and all this shit but nah I'm gonna I'm hold, hold it for y'all um, anyway thank you guys again appreciate it everybody joining me for Wakanda forever and uh, thank you again to all the Fox Writers Incubator Initiatives fellows. And we want to shout out to Maura Griffin, um, who was our director yes, of the program. And, um, you know, she guided us over Zoom and is still helping us. And so that's one of the things about a fellowship program, right. especially with the network, is that, you know, they are riding for and with you for a while. Right. That's true. Yeah. I do hear that with all of them. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so everybody joining me for Wakanda Forever. So y'all know how we do it on the rant room. 
on the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. Wakanda forever. forever. Peace, y'all. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare one. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. Yeah, I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We only grow shit. Welcome to the rare room. Ah.